Welcome to the Michael Podcast. I am your host, Sergio Delamo. Uh, I am joined today again by the uh, Agora Pulse uh, crew, uh, not in France, but in Poland and Czech Republic. Hello, Vlad. How are you? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you. And you? Good, good, good. Hello, Simon. How are you? Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm good. Thank you. Where are you based in Krakow? No, no, it's Torun, Poland. It's called the Krakow of the North, actually. It's like <laughs> a gothic old city, so... We wanted to talk today about Micronaut and Grails. For those who are not aware of, most of the same team behind Micronaut uh, was working on Grails. Actually, Graham Roche and Jeff Scott Brown and James Clee, uh, they have been all heavily involved with Grails, and I will say myself also. Uh, and um, because of that, uh, you will see that many of the... Uh, paradigms uh, are similar and some of the lessons learned uh, they all come from Grails and that's one of the reasons that uh, Microt has special integration with Grails and I wanted to talk with the AgraPulse people because for me they were one of the uh, pioneers of using Microt features from within a Grails application and indeed you have also like even open source libraries to help to do that and you have also written about transitioning from Grails to Micronaut, and you uh, currently host many uh, Micronaut, Micronaut uh, open source libraries. We talk about them in episode seven. Uh, so if anyone wants to um, check those episodes, um, they are, uh, they are you will include, I will include a link in the show notes for them. Uh, before jumping into the main topic, I'm gonna go with the agenda. Uh, for agenda, uh, I am talking on the Manchester uh, Java user group on uh, March uh, 17th, I believe. But before doing that, I'm going to be talking actually, and this is quite related to the episode. Uh, I am going to be teaching a, a great security training uh, next Monday and Tuesday. And uh, Micro features from within a great application on Wednesday and Thursday. So if you are a Grace user, maybe those trainings uh, will be of your interest. I will include a link in the show notes as well. Uh, we'll release this episode on Monday. So we are recording this on Friday, um, 11th of February, and we'll release it on uh, Monday the 14th. So if you are listening this on Monday, hurry up and register because the trainings are upcoming. Graeme Roche is talking also uh, in several conferences uh, about Micronaut. He's doing talks in... In Java Day uh, Leaf, uh, I will include a link in the show notes, and in Jay on the Beach, which is a conference here in, in Malaga, Spain, and also he's talking in Jay Focus, which I believe is in Sweden. You will find uh, links in the show notes for those as well. And we, I want also to call your attention to twitch.tv uh, slash micro.fw. Uh, we keep uh, building a micro application there, not next week or, or not in the week that you are going to listen to the podcast because the week of the 14th, I will be teaching this girl training. So it essentially uh, overlaps with the uh, micro life timetable, but we will be back on the week of the 21. So if you want to join me every Tuesday and Thursday, um, five and a half p.m. European Central Time, and that I believe that's uh, 9.30 US Central Time, please do. And with all the agenda out of the way, do you have anything coming on your side that you want to uh, plug? No, not really. Any exciting Agora news or events? One, two, three. If you don't say anything, we will move to the level up section. 
And for level up, I want to talk about um, a, a module uh, that I uh, wrote that is quite a niche module, but I like it and I use it in several places, not just micro applications. That's the RSS module, which you can use parts of it in the in a Grails application. Uh, it's a modularized module, which has, um, we will discuss about which parts of micro you can use in Grails and which part you cannot. The RSS module, for example, has a part that exposes a controller and which you cannot use in a Grace application, but it has an RSS core module and an iTunes podcast module, which you can use in a Grace application on in, for example, we use it to build this, the website for the MyCode podcast and the RSS feed. Uh, we are essentially using our, uh, we are eating our own dog food uh, to build the podcast. We are using the MyCode RSS and the podcast module. Um, for those who are not aware of podcasts, uh, they are essentially an RSS feed with some extra some extra markup. Um, so if you are building an application and you need to generate an RSS feed or a podcast feed uh, and you are using Micronaut or in the Micronaut ecosystem, please check it out because it should be pretty straightforward to work with. And that's one of the features, for example, that I will be showing in the um, training, Micronaut and Grace training. So level up out of the way, uh, let's move to the main section. In the main section, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Microsoft and Grails. Um, so let's start from, I guess, from with Grails 4, the integration with Microsoft was built into the framework. I believe you have even used Microsoft features with Grails 3, if I remember correctly. Yes, so there was this uh, Micronaut Spring module, if you can remember, it's probably still there, which can basically expose the Micronaut beans to, to Spring application. But it wasn't really enough for us, so we were starting using uh, Micronaut. It's been years ago. It's been basically after, right after the announcement, after the release, we started uses this for the Lambda, for with the Micronaut functions, and then we start wanted to start some to share some code with the Grails applications as well. And at that time, there was no Grails four, so we started to share it with the micro uh, with the Grails three. And so we created this Micronaut Grails uh, library, which uh, uh, takes the steps further from the Micronaut Sprint integration. And the crucial point was that the Grails always injects by name. So we needed to, needed to map the Micronaut, application, Micronaut beans to the named beans with the expected name by Grails. And this is how it started. So basically there was a provider to map a Micronaut bean to the name bean, and it could be injected in the Grails application right ahead to the Grails 3 application. Uh, there were some drawbacks because when we finally moved to Grails 4, we didn't have to have this extra step and we can start using it inject. But uh, so we still have some uh, skeletons in the closets. So it's the migration is takes long, long time. So we still have some parts of the application which is injected uh, using this integration, even in Grails 4. And then we have new Micronaut beans we are injected using at inject or at autoward annotation into the Grails services and and controllers. So in Grails 4, so Spring has a cool feature which is the Spring bean context allows you to set up a parent uh, bean context. 
So the way I like to picture this in my head is and in Grace for application. So Grace is starting from Grace 3, Grace 3 application, Grace 4 application, Grace 5 applications. They are Spring Boot applications, right? Starting from Grace 4, we set the micro application bin context as the Spring parent context. Uh, and what that means is, I, the way I like to picture it is there are uh, two circles. Uh, in the inner circle, you have the micro bin context, uh, which only sees micro bins. And in the outer circle, you see the Spring bin context, which sees all the Spring bins and the micro beans. But as Vlad uh, was saying, uh, the convention in Glaze is that when you have a Grace artifact, a controller, right? And you are injecting by name. So typically you will either say like dev user service or you will say like with the type user service, user service. But the key there was the name. With micro, you could, uh, if you wanted to inject a, a micro bean in a Grace artifact, you had to use what Blas said, you have to use either javax.inject inject or uh, the auto-wired annotation from Spring, which is typically what I, I typically use. I think it's identical. I think we have a... So Microsoft has one feature called annotation mappers, which is something we should probably talk another day, uh, which we use through the framework to map annotations to other annotations. So for example, we use the permit all annotation in the security module is mapped to the at security annotation. From a user point of view, it's like uh, you have to understand this thing about parent context and if a micro bin can see a Grace artifact and vice versa. Uh, and the key here was that you have to break a little bit the convention uh, is that when you you have to go to to annotate these injection points with either at or at inject. And the key for us is uh, was um, explaining which features of micro you could use from a Grace application. And the bottom of that is, uh, so Grace is still based on the Celeript API. And by default, the default implementation of Micronaut is using the runtime, the, the native runtime. And essentially the whole HTTP layer of Micronaut is not compatible with Grace, right? But you can use all of the other parts of Micronaut, which are not insignificant. So you can use, for example, the Micronaut HTTP client, either declarative or or the low-level client. Uh, for example, for the integration test in Grails, which are typically these tests that you have under source integration test. If you have worked with Grails, you probably have used the REST client builder, uh, or you had used something else such as, uh, I don't know, like OKHttp OK or some other HTTP library. What we are recommending users since Grails 4 is that they use the, actually the REST client builder is end of life uh, and we are uh, telling people to use the micro HTTP client and it's really easy to configure it to point to the application that is uh, started in an integration test. I personally use the low-level client always in the test. I don't use the declarative client neither in micro applications. I don't know why. It's kind of like I, I like to see in the test I like to see the raw request being built and understand that that's what's happening. Uh, so that was an easy transition for me. Then you can use things such as configuration as well. Are you using configuration? So in Grails, um, the, the, the beauty of Grails and the ugly thing of Grails is that uh, it has 10 years of a story or even more now. And there are like three or four ways to do each thing. 
because the framework has evolved and they always have never been deprecated or removed and you can inject configuration many ways. So chances is if you have like a Grace application, you maybe you are were injecting configuration with Grace application.config in your artifacts. Then there is the other uh, uh, way that is you implement the trade configuration aware, which is the one that I like the most, which is like in your, that basically force you to, if you implement Grace configuration aware in a controller, in a service, you are forced to implement set config and that essentially gives you the configuration object. Or since this is a Spring Boot application, you could use the add configuration properties from Spring. And in Grace 4, because this is a, also like a Micronaut application as well, you can use the add configuration properties from Micronaut. And if you are confused at this point, I understand that you are confused, but that's kind of the nature of the beast is that there are many ways of doing more or less the same thing, which sometimes is bad, uh, but sometimes it's something that you have to do in order to maintain compatibility and don't break every user application. So I, I guess this is, I don't know, were you using a lot of grace application.config in your applications? Uh, yes, we've been using this and we've been also using this holder.configs or holders.config, which is the worst thing you can use. I think you rather not mention this one. And actually it's good you mentioned the configuration because the configuration is uh, uh, one of the part which is uh, quite quite complicated because uh, some of the configuration which is visible for Grails beans is not visible for the Micronaut beans. Typically, uh, I think at the beginning, and it changed now, for example, if you have the configuration for plugins and we used to have the shared configuration in a plugin, it wasn't visible for the Micronaut beans. And also we have some issues with uh, with uh, at the very beginning reading the micronaut reading the application.groovy file from micronaut uh, was a bit complicated because it was trying to compile it statically from micronaut so the same file was failing for micronaut and it was not failing for grails and we reach all this we find the solution to all of these problems but we most now incline just to use the good old, well, not good, not old, YAML. So we use it, basically configure everything with YAML and trying to avoid the application.groovy file and trying to avoid the configuration in the plugins. And because it's, it works always. It works for Micronaut, it works for Grails. And other thing which is different, I believe, is that we used to have a lot of these environments closures in the application.groovy. So have a separate configuration in the one application.groovy file with environments development and the closure containing the configuration for the for the development, for example. And this is something we also have to drop in in kind of named application.yaml file. So having like application-development.yaml file instead of having this in the one, one single file. So that was the corner cases we have to we just faced all of them, probably, on our route. And also, we just, as I was speaking about the skeletons in the closet, so the problem was that Spring integration, the Micronaut Spring, is actually using the... is actually creating a separate Micronaut context. So we were living with the two Micronaut contexts in the same application. 
and each of them was able to read the different uh, configuration, each of them was behaving a little bit different. So this is something we probably will never solve because the current approach is that we want to just let the gross application die and just move the business logic to the, to the different Micronode apps on, on our side. What are what HTTP client are you using? Are you using the Micronode HTTP client in your class applications or are you using a different HTTP client? Uh, we're still using that REST builder internally. We have the the Micronode variant using the, uh, how did you call it? The just RX HTTP client, just the, no, yeah. just the low level one. Uh, but as I said, we are just now, the migration now happens, like just let it die. So just for the new Micronaut code, we're using the the Micronaut declarative clients. And in Grails, we just stick with the old one and trying to move the code to, to Micronaut. Got you. Um, in the, if I remember correctly, in episode seven, you told me that the... You are writing the Micronaut applications, the new ones, you are writing them with Java, right? Instead of Groovy. Uh, we're trying to, especially, well, at least the libraries, for libraries, for the shared code, we're trying to use Java. Uh, but the new ones, I think the our teams are still used to write Groovy. So a lot of them is still using Groovy. So it's it's a mix. We don't use Kotlin. It's kind of banned here, but but we use Java and Groovy. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a one thing worth mentioning. Uh, one of the latest projects we released internally was the Live System, uh, which is uh, based on WebSockets. It's a very like uh, one of the main features of of the service is it has to respond uh, in a very fast manner. So every millisecond counts. And I can tell you that we did this experiment. It was it's written in Groovy. It's it's just a Groovy Micronode application. And when we were uh, measuring performance and we were looking for some bottlenecks, uh, I even uh, rewrote this whole application to Java. Uh, and uh, after measuring the performance, there was no performance boost uh, after switching to Java from Groovy. So uh, in applications like that, where you use WebSockets, uh, you expect uh, messages to be delivered in a manner of milliseconds using Groovy and using Java, no difference. Yeah, I guess the programming language most of the times is not the bottleneck, right? Databases are. Yeah, databases are, or, or the network latency to external services. Uh, are you using, uh, you you must be using it compile static uh, uh, in every place because I saw that you were already using compile static in, actually you were forcing a static compilation in Rails applications, right? Yeah, and that was also uh, one of the recommendations in the uh from Grails to Micronaut articles that, that uh, Vlad prepared. That was one of the recommendations uh, when you move your Grails application to Micronaut, just uh, use static compilation uh, from the beginning so you can avoid some weird problems in the future. I like the way that Groovy gives you the freedom to use a static compilation when you need it or when you or, or default to using a static compilation, but if you need to use dynamic features, you can essentially opt in. I, it's probably always a question that how, if uh, the default would have been a static compilation by default and you have to opt in to compile dynamic, uh, maybe the perception will be other because I have the feeling that sometimes uh, people forget that you can use a static compilation with Groovy. 
And you know, there there is one uh, interesting example uh, that, uh, if we talk about uh, static versus dynamic compilation. I remember one day someone asked me, uh, "What about JSON builder in term uh, in terms of compiling Graal VM native image from a Groovy code, where JSON builder is completely dynamic and how to do it?" And it turns out that uh, actually you can use it in your code. You can make all preparation for JSON builder, uh, the, the part that can be static compiled. You can just uh, use static compilation here. And the small part where you build your JSON using uh, DSL, you just put it into a method annotated with compile dynamic, and it can compile the native image uh, without any errors. So you have this flexibility. Whatever you want to achieve, you can start with static compilation by default and just, okay, this part I know it has to be dynamic, so I will just extract it to this dynamic method and, and it works fine. Even with such things like uh, GraalVM native image compilation, which, as we all know, uh, the more it, it requires that uh, for uh, AOT compilation, the code has to be statically compiled. Actually, this was the fix as, as we are talking about application.groovy file. And as we were facing the issues when the old, uh, the very first Micronaut uh, uh, applications weren't able to, to compile it dynamically, it was trying to compile it statically. I've done actually the same trick as uh, Shimon was mentioning. I've just extract the static part, uh, the part with the co- with needs, which needed to be dynamic, and just put it in the method and annotate it with compile dynamic. Uh, that was the fix I've uh, I've done in the in the application Groovy files. Yeah, application This is again this conversation about Grails flexibilities and I honestly I don't know I sometimes I feel that that's great to have flexibility in application.groovy and then sometimes I feel like uh, that's bad because we have a lot of logic there that is untested and I have seen that in many applications Um, but if you don't have that flexibility maybe you have more complexity in other parts in Micronaut the approach now is to be more strict about configuration and have configuration be pretty simple uh, that was not long, always the case in Grails application where you, we have like closures and plugins that were taking closures to configure themselves. If you are like uh, trying to use Micronaut and, uh, in a Grails application, just um, pro- I guess take, take into account what Vlad was saying and try to uh, use as much as possible applic- the YAML file uh, when possible. It's a bit more verbose, but definitely you can move most of the configuration to the YAML file. Um, even the whole uh, Grails security core plugin configuration, which is by default, um, you probably have it in application.gru, you, you can move that to um, application.yaml. Are you using any of the, are you using RabbitMQ or Kafka or something like that in your applications? You are not. Right? No, no, we are, we are basically all AWS. So we are using the Kinesis, the SNS, SQS, and the other stuff provided by by. Cool, cool, cool. We don't have um, that's one part that we don't have good integration. Probably, I guess between. I mean, uh, you have a, a Micronaut AWS uh, library that offers that, but what I mean by we is uh, in the official Micronaut AWS plugin. I don't think I think we have like the ability to inject an SQS client, but I don't think we have anything. We don't have something like the RabbitMQ integration or the Kafka integration, if I remember correctly. So that's probably an an area of improvement there. 
are you in the great applications that use Micronet features? Are you still using GORM or have you migrated to Micronet data or how was your experience there? Well, I need to say that's the most, most problematic part of, uh, of migration or any, any compatibility with the, with between Micronaut and uh, Grails. So we are mostly still using GORM because it's quite difficult to migrate it to, to Micronaut data. We are part of the application not trying to uh, migrate it to, to Micronaut uh, data JPA. And actually in the library you've mentioned, the Micronaut Grails uh, library, there is a tool you can use to generate the JPA entities from the GORM entities. So you have some of the some of the work is done for you. Yeah, that that's all is linked, you know. So basically, what the GORM gives you is that so nice and easy way how to do database operations. So you know you have all the static operations, you have all instance operations. So actually, one of the part of the series we were talking later is that it allows you to find all code calling the you know GORM static API and GORM instance API and migrate it to data services, which should be used to have a cleaner code and easier code to, to maintain. And we were still not there in part of the applications. So we just started to have in the in the big app, so Shimon may speak about the free tools we are having. So we are a couple of free tools, and Shimon was migrating them from Micronaut to to Grails. From Grails to Micronaut. Uh, Grails to Micronaut. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and the point was that we always kept this step as the last one, right? It was the most complicated part to micro to migrate from uh, GORM to Micronaut data. So the new stuff is uh, is Micronaut data as much as possible or we use a lot of DynamoDB. So we the part of the library you've mentioned of AWS SDK is, a, is also integration with DynamoDB, which is some kind of document database or how to call it from Amazon. And so it's still, it's still waiting us. For the most of the applications, we are still waiting to get rid of GORM and, and start using Micronode data as, data as, as much as we why why not keep using because you can use GORM in a Micronaut application? Why not keep using GORM in a Micronaut application? If you are right read, if you are writing the Maple application already in in Groovy. Well, the first thing is one I've mentioned that I don't really like the too many the way how it can access can be accessed from anywhere. You know, it just doesn't force you to create, you know, like like separated data services and so on. Yeah. The other thing is that if you use these two together, you will still have to use the database configuration from GORM. So, you know, it's slight, it's uh, it's close to each other, the the configuration for Grails and for the Micronaut data, but there are slightly differences like data source with uppercase S and with a lowercase S, and people are getting lost in this one. And I think it's a bit heavier also, the, the GORM. It is, it is heavier. Gor yeah. GORM is definitely heavier than the, than the Micronaut data. Especially because you are using Micronaut data JDBC, right? So you are migrating to the Micronaut data JDBC. Or are you migrating to Micronaut data JPA? And Just for the special cases. 
for most of the the most of the migration will happen with Migrant GPA. So you are keeping Hibernate there. We are keeping Hibernate, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I so for those who are listening to the podcast who are um, not familiar with Gorm, Gorm is this data access toolkit uh, that was um, for me was a revolution. Uh, when I discovered Grace, essentially, I think was part of the Grace access story was that this thing existed and it was so easy as Vlad was saying to access a database. But as Grace, Gorm has evolved in the past 10 years and it has uh, like four ways to to query, for example. You can use like uh, what Vlad was saying is these Gorm domain classes, which is, are kind of the entities of your applications, the things that are mapping to the database, they have like static methods, uh, which allow you to like to query for like, I don't know, like book find all, and it will give you like uh, all the books. And then they have these dynamic finders where you can say like, if your book has a title, you can use a book find by title. Uh, but then it has also like, um, you can use where queries, which is something else that was introduced to query uh, Gorm. Uh, which is like this, there is this static method in the entities called where, where you can essentially like kind of write a, a query that you can statically compile. Then there are like, uh, you can use also like a hibernate query language to query the, to query GORM. You can use uh, the criteria API as well. And uh, last but not least, you can use um, GORM data services, which is the most modern way of using GORM, which is similar to Spring repositories or microdata uh, repositories. Essentially, it's kind of you define an interface and GORM will generate the implementation for you. Uh, similar with microdata. And the problem is uh, that, as you have seen in the podcast, that there are many ways. And sometimes for developers, uh, sometimes less is more. And if you have less ways of doing something, is uh, for the best. Um, but I think... Uh, I think for people, uh, we can go now through the uh, steps that you recommend to migrate. But I think people, I, what I encourage people to to know is that um, Gorm, you can use Gorm with with Micron. So it's not like a, I don't know, I don't know if you think the opposite, but it's not like a required migration step. You could keep that and have a functional application. Yeah, but the, the context matters here as well. Uh, we, we have to mention that... Uh, we are working with a with a very large code base, and uh, our repository is uh, in the process of splitting into multiple repositories. And you know, uh, there is one sentence that describes Gorm very well: "With great power comes great responsibility." And one of the things that I mean, I like Gorm. Uh, I I like using Gorm in in Grails applications. But when you think about uh, future re refactoring, especially between multiple repositories, things are started getting harder uh, just to find all usages of uh, where some specific GORM entity is persisted, where it's being updated and stuff like that. So uh, in our case, thinking about us as future maintainers, uh, we decided, okay, let's uh, go to Micronaut Data with Micronaut Data GPA or Micronaut Data GDBC just to make things much easier in the future for us. 
Yeah, another problem is uh, in migration is Micronaut and Grace, they are different in the paradigm in terms of persistence. So Grace has an open session in view paradigm where you can you could essentially, and I have seen that, and you ha everyone who has worked with Grace has seen that, where you could persist an entity in a GSP page, which is like a, for those who are not aware of Grace, GSP is kind of a, a server-side rendering technology to render HTML. So that's something that we have all seen in applications. And the problem with that is that you essentially have no proper transaction demarcations through your whole application. And if you move to something like Micron, which is a strict in that there is no transaction open, unless you annotate like a method with that transactional, you're going to see problems there. So one of the... It's not just... Uh, it's not just like... Uh, this more, a bit more heavy. It's also like... 99% uh, of the Grace applications, they, I guess, they are not like they don't have proper transaction demarcations through the whole application, and that's one area that we will all have to improve there. I, I think it's probably um, before jumping into the so Vlad wrote a great series of blog posts uh, talking about his experience and the steps that I guess they used to migrate some Grace applications to Micron. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, about the Micron Grace um, open source library that you 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 offer. So you call it Grace integration for Micron. Can you describe what this is, Vlad, and if people should still be uh, interested in using this library or not? Yes. So this is basically this is the. Only sensible option if you are still stuck in the Grails 3 and for any reason you can't upgrade. So this is the way how to use Micronaut from Grails. And maybe it can it can be your company or your project can be very similar to us. So you don't want to spend time upgrading to Grails 4 and 5. And you basically want to go directly from Grails 3 to Micronaut. So this can help you to to start migrating to Micronaut right ahead without the need of uh, uh, going to to the newer version of Grails. Once we used it, we just discovered this kind of issue with multiple multiple Micronaut scopes, especially in Micronaut 4, but it should not be any case in the in Micronaut 3. When, when Vlad said there, Micronaut 4 and Micronaut 3, he was meant, I think you meant Grails 4 and Grails 3. So for Micronaut Grails, it just fills some gaps. And for us, the one of them is to be, sp to be able to specify the packages for scanning. So the, the, the default integration from Grails to Micronaut uh, doesn't really work well with uh, scanning packages outside of the application. So let's say with a different, uh, uh, different package names. So this is what you can do with uh, Visit Micronaut Grails uh, and Grails 4. And it also works for testing and it also works for the running as a, as a, on the, uh, as a VAR application on Tomcat. So I believe, you know, like most of the modern Grails applications are using as an application, are running as an application with embedded Tomcat. But we still have this, uh, this deployment processes which still deploys the application uh, as a var on the Elastic Beanstalk. I still see many people deploying WAR files to Elastic Beanstalk, so I don't think that's uh, unusual. I think that's what many people are using. So what I was saying is you can generate a fat jar 
uh, with Grails, uh, but you can generate also a WAR file and deploy it uh, to Tomcat. And I, 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 don't, I don't know. To be honest, I think it's probably like there are many people doing both. So I think that's... And I, I would say probably even the Tomcat option is probably more uh, more common. So what was the issue with the war deployment? What did you need to do? Uh, actually, the point was that we have some issues with including the packages. For, so we extracted some uh, GERM, uh, GERM entities into separate libraries with separate package names. And then they were not uh, visible for the GRS applications. So we basically have to add this as the as the packages to scan uh, for the for the Grails application and Hibernate, and maybe it's now fixed in Grails five. But in the previous version, there was some issue with uh, with scanning the the packages for for the GORM entities. And I think one of the issue also was like it was a scanning maybe for Grails it worked and for Microround it didn't or vice versa. So there were some compatibility issues, and this so this integration helps you to do it for the e- either you're running as an application, either deployed as a var file. Also, it helps to run it as an integration test. So there's uh, some improvements for the integration test to also have the package scanning right in the in every context. And then the second part is just the. Just the GERM to Micronaut Data JPA generator. So I've just created this to help the teams to migrate from GORM to Micronaut Data. So you can just run some snippet either from integration test or the Grails web console, and you will just get the the entities generated for you and the data services. It's kind of a code generation tool? Yes, it's a code generation tool. So just to help you to migrate from GORM to, to Micronet Data GPA. So one of the things that I saw that you do is, um, so GORM has this uh, DSL for defining the constraints. You essentially migrate this to JavaX constraints, imports and annotations. Yes, exactly. That's cool. Yeah, one of the things is uh, if you are using GORM with Micron, you have to specify the package where your entities are. Uh, so I guess... In many Grails applications, uh, you may have your domain classes in the same package as your services because probably, I mean, Grails uses like a folder structure to de- to split those. So you have like Grails apps domain and it knows that the domain classes are there. Uh, so I guess one of the recommendations is create a package uh, to encapsulate your domain classes even if you are in a Grails application and that will help you to migrate your Gore code to Micronaut. Because if you create like, I don't know, like example.micro.entities and you put all your domain classes there, um, then you can just point the uh, the micro applications to use that package for GORM. So I think that's, uh, I will include a link in the show notes to the integration um, to the AgraPulse uh, MicroGrades open source library uh, in case anyone is interested. They were using Syngrace 3. So I think for some people, maybe using it in Grace 4, it's easier a story for them in Grace 4 and Grace 5 because, um, yeah, it's kind of more like baking into the framework, starting from Grace 4. So please check it out. Uh, and if you find any shortcomings, uh, check the integration because that may help you in the journey. Let's discuss the steps that you um, talk in your blog post, uh, 
actually in your series of blog posts about the migration. Uh, and those were uh, titled Goodbye Grace, Hello Micronaut, and I don't know, how, how do you want us to do this? Should we go through the different steps that you um, described there and talk a little bit about them? Maybe I was thinking if Shimon wants to talk about this one more because I am the one who who wrote it, wrote it. But I think he's hopefully not the only one, but he's the one who actually followed the steps to migrate our applications to from from Grails to Micronaut. So maybe if you want to, I was the, the first reviewer of of the series <laughs> because that was my uh, onboarding task in, at Agorapulse when I joined the company last year uh, to migrate uh, Grails application. Actually, yeah, one great application to Micronaut. But what's worth mentioning uh, at the beginning is that uh, Agora Pulse uh, split front end from back end already. So, what we are talking about in terms of migrating from Grace to Micronaut is migrating REST applications. <clears throat> So we used Grails uh, at that time. We used Grails at that time to produce uh, just REST APIs that produce JSONs. We we are not talking about migrating full stack Grails applications where you produce uh, server side rendering using GSPs. Uh, so that's a completely different story. We still have one free tool that is 100% uh, Grails and that produces uh, server side rendering. And this is a, the topic that we never tried to to migrate to Micronaut at that point. So we went the I would call it the the, the easy path uh, for that. When it comes to migration, uh, we, we also have to remember that it, it will it's different between uh, different applications. I mean, uh, the GORM is a good example. It depends how you use GORM in your applications. The more uh, let's say flexible you are in terms of where you uh, persist your entities probably the more problems you will have uh, in the future. We have some of these uh, tools that help us to migrate, uh, for instance, entities, to, uh, the GORM entities to Micronaut data, uh, entities uh, that are compatible with Micronaut data. Uh, but it's also one of the, the steps that we had to take, and that was one of the latest steps, actually, uh, was uh, to replace GORM uh, methods with uh, data services, with GORM data services, which are much easier to migrate to to Micronode data repositories uh, as one of uh, as one of the next steps. Uh, one of the critical part, and I cannot stress enough how important it is, is to have a good test coverage. It wouldn't be possible for us to migrate uh, from Grails to uh, to Micronode if we didn't have good uh, test coverage. And by test coverage, I mean uh, in that in that case, uh, the integration tests are really important, uh, or actually, or something you you could even call like end-to-end -end tests, because uh, what we uh, expect is that the Grails application, the API of the Grails application will behave the same way when we migrate it to, to Micronaut. We don't expect any, any changes in the behavior. Uh, and here we have, uh, there is one, actually two libraries uh, worth mentioning uh, here, uh, libraries uh, created at Agorapulse. Uh, one of them is Drew, the data rec reconstruction utility. And this is something that uh, I think uh, requires much more marketing these days because uh, this is something that helped us migrate from uh, GORM 
to Micronode data pretty easily. Uh, what Drew is, uh, in just uh, two sentences, uh, this is the utility that allows you to reconstruct your model from uh, input uh, format like JSONs, you can use SQL files, you can use YAML files also, and it has different clients. So, for instance, when you start building your Grace application, you can use Drew to load the data for your GORM entities. And this way, you can actually uh, import some data for your integration tests or unit tests. Uh, and when you migrate to Micronode, you can replace GORM client, uh, which is just, you know, uh, Gradle dependency or Maven dependency, uh, depending which build tool you are using. You just replace a GORM client with Micronode data client. And you use the same uh, model uh, for the input. And this is how you can pretty easily, uh, and of course, pretty easily in double quotes, of course, because it always depends. Uh, But it's pretty easy to make sure that the model that you use in GORM uh, is pretty the same when you use it in, in Micronaut data. And this is what uh, what helped us a lot to uh, to, to, to make sure that, uh, uh, that the model uh, is is correct. The second one is GRU, uh, which is Groovy REST utility. And you can think about GRU as, uh, I, it always reminds me uh, mock MVC uh, from uh, Spring Utilities. Uh, that was m- my first uh, uh, impression when I when I've seen uh, Gru, because with Gru it's again it's like framework agnostic. Uh, it, it's not like it does not replace JUnit or Spock. Actually, as, uh, correct me, Vlad, uh, but I, I guess Gru can be only used with Spock uh, at this moment. Uh, is am I right or not? I think you. Almost right, because I think it can be at the moment only used from Groovy, but uh, it doesn't... So JUnit with Groovy will work. JUnit Groovy or Spoke Groovy. Okay, so think about Gru as, you know, like uh, testing interactions with uh, running API. And this is where you can also mock some of those interactions if you want. Uh, but basically, uh, what Gru, so this combination Gru plus Drew, what it gives you, it's a great toolkit uh, to uh, prepare uh, regression tests that when you take a Grails application, and if you have those tests uh, prepared using th- those two utilities, it's really straightforward to migrate those Grails tests to tests that are compatible with Micronode backend. And that's how you can uh, refactor application from Grace to Micronaut with uh, you know less stress, which which is which is very important in that case. For those who are not familiar with the libraries, I will include a link to the notes. But essentially, if correct me if I if the idea that I am going to express is incorrect, but the idea is that you have a lot of seed data in JSON files, right? So imagine if you are like testing a I don't know like the users API, you have like a JSON payload with like uh, I don't know like a hundred users and you want to say like uh, I don't know like s- use this JSON data to essentially instantiate all of these entities and save them to the database and then you can say like then uh, you use uh, Gru to essentially say like when I invoke the API users I expect the response to be um to match this expectation which you express with a JSON data as well, right? And what I assume is that Drew, uh, if I have like a JSON data file which has more 
things in the JSON payload that don't match one to one to my user, table is gonna ignore those, I guess, right? So just to just to step back to to the past. So Drew was mainly created because we have a uh, we have the multiple persistence implementation, let's say, and we have Gorm or had Gorm and uh, DynamoDB. And you know the problem was how to get as much as uh, the data which are as close as possible to to the production data. And one of the options was just simply grab it for our test server in a JSON format and then load it to, to our tests. But the major problem were the ID pairing. And this is one of the biggest benefits of, uh, of Drew, is that it's going to pair the IDs from uh, one database system to another database system. So let's say if DynamoDB entity was referring to GORM entity with ID1, or one, two, three. Uh, it will load it the same way, and it will load. It will point to the same representation of the entity. It won't be ID one, two, three. It will be ID twelve, but it will be same same relationship as in the original one was. And one of the other problem was that is in a GORM, it wasn't possible to set ID when you load it, or maybe in Hibernate or GORM, it wasn't possible to load it with a specific ID. It was ignored in the tests. So this was the reason why the why the Drew library was created. So the idea is that uh, yeah, I think I understand what you said. So the idea is uh, I am loading a set of users, and you are using DynamoDB and and Gorm, and Gorm has automatic ID generation. So what you want to do is you want to persist uh, the username, email address, etc. Uh, get the ID from the database, and then use that ID probably as the DynamoDB primary key. Yes, or just, you know, just some kind of other link, like, you know, updated by ID or updated by user ID, and you want to be point to the same user. It, the ID will be different yeah. when you load it, but it will be the same user. It will be edited by Shimon, edited by Vlad or whatever, and the relation will just get persisted in the, in the test database. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. And for GRU, the, one of the biggest problems was, so the GRU is... Uh, using this uh, library uh, created by uh, I think it's Lukas Kvechen and he was uh, he created this um, JSON JSON unit test or JSON assert I can't remember the name I think it's JSON assert yeah and the point is that you want to if you assert the JSON the JSON responses you can't really do it you know like a textual so you need to know the structure and you want to see that this particle property is wrong and it looks a different way. So this is the one, right. one addition, which is basically the crew is under the hood using this uh, JSON assertion library to do the best, better assertions. And the other thing is that it does have uh, some kind of measures to ignore stuff. So, for example, you know, things like IDs, things like so timestamps change all the time. So in your test fixtures, you can use this ignore, ignore notation properties. And you will just, for example, get the, you just say, okay, the ID will be number, the ID will be string. But you don't care about the value. And you have the close to, close to best solution for JSON assertion you get. 
JSON is really difficult to test because um, so the order of the properties is not uh, there's no like the specification doesn't say anything about the properties so even if we have like uh, in Jackson there are like annotations for the order in theory uh, any order is so two, two JSON documents with different order it should be the same document uh, and as uh, Vlad was saying is um, uh, IDs that are changing timestamp that are often in APIs and all of those things make really, really difficult to test. Um, yeah, I, it's really powerful. I I discovered it actually thanks to Drew. And uh, if you have done these ugly JSON comparisons to a string in your test, check it out because it's really, really lifesaver. And it will make your actually your test less flaky. Uh, because there are a lot of times where you have like a test that passes like 100 times and then the order of the JSON is changed and the tests are failing uh, and it starts failing sometimes not always yeah and we are mentioning those two libraries especially in, in this topic migrating from grace to, to micronaut uh, they integrate very easily the uh, like Drew has clients for Grails, has clients for uh, for Gorm, this uh, for Micronaut data. The same with uh, with Gru. You can uh, start it as a Grails application backend. You can start it with the Micronaut backend. You can start with HTTP backend. So it doesn't matter what kind of framework you you are using under the hood. You can just use it as the uh, HTTP client basically uh, here. So anyone who thinks about okay, uh, I have a Grails REST API. I think about migrating to Micronaut. Uh, uh, I can tell you, like, go check uh, check out the article series on on migrating. There are like ten uh, posts uh, uh, explaining step by step uh, what is the what is the first part that, in our case, what we found most uh, useful to to start migrating from, uh, because uh, I mean, Micronaut application has a different structure than Grace application, so you will get confused. Uh, which part should I start with? Uh, you will be confused uh, if you start, let's say, migrating Grace application to Java Micronaut, which will be just more complex uh, to do so. So maybe you have to. It's better to start uh, migrating the the Groovy code to a Groovy Micronaut application first. When the migration is completed, if you still have time and if you see that okay, the code base is not that large, and I can I have a great uh, test coverage, so I I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty safe to to do more uh, invasive uh, refactoring. You can start thinking about okay, if if I want to go away from Groovy and uh, think about let's say Java 17, go for it uh, after after the migration is is completed. I personally, I, I will recommend don't don't go directly to Java, go to Groovy, to Micronaut Groovy, because I think that's probably the easiest thing to do. Uh, one thing that you recommend in your series of blog post is like, so Micronaut applications can be built either with Maven or Gradle. Uh, starting from Grace 3, uh, Grace applications are built with Gradle. So my recommendation is keep, keep a stick with Gradle for now. One of your recommendations is uh, use a multi-project build with uh, Gradle and try to like migrate parts of your code base to modules that you can essentially start um, building as Java libraries so that they are not relying on, they are not like Grace plugins, but pure Java libraries. And that will uh, make you easy to consume those Java libraries from, uh, from Micronaut directly. Um, from a Micronaut application. Another part that you put a lot of emphasis is in 
in using static compilation uh, by default. And I think this is related to uh, the discussion that we had previously, which is try to spot all, if you are using Go on with product you are, if you are using Grace, uh, the idea here is, uh, and correct me if, uh, it will allow you to see like, I don't know, like usages of Grace parameter map maybe, but most of the times it will be allow you to spot like usages of GORM in places where you probably are not expecting that you were using GORM. You were never using JSON views, right? In your applications. You are using Marshallers. Yes, we are not using, we are not using JSON views. We are using just the Marshallers. And that's one of the part of the migration. And just, you know, this, the, no the notice about the static compilation, it just... It's like a real-world recommendation because, you know, as um, Shimon has mentioned, like it's a good to have a very good test coverage, but sincerely probably a lot of applications out there are not having that good test coverage. So having at least enabling the, the static compilation gives you yet another kind of uh, assurance during the migration. So at least you see that, okay, this part is missing in Micronaut now, so what happened? So that's the, that's the reason. And the part is that it's, I'm using this tool called the Enterprise Groovy plugin or Enterprise Groovy library. And it allows you to incrementally remove some, uh, some uh, girls support. So for example, you can, uh, you can remove the extension which allows you to work with the static core methods, or you can remove the extension which allows you to uh, use the var queries. And incrementally, you can remove this kind of extra grill support to the level that you don't use any of this kind of magic uh, grills features in your code base. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, so I saw that when in your series of blog posts, and I think that's great, uh, because... Um, I guess you can put it like uh, with all the defaults and you can go step by step, right? Like instead of like getting like a million compilation errors, uh, you can get like, okay, first I, I fix the first set of ones and then I turn off this rule and then I see the other ones. Another good point is that you mentioned there is, so one of the key areas of Grails, and I guess that's, so I, I was saying GORM was one of the important part for the success of Grails. Another one is the plugins. So Grails had a great plugins ecosystem community and some of the plugins, they were really elegant and uh, they were kind of following the magic of Grails. And you could do things like, I don't know, like there is like this one for rendering PDFs. And uh, when you turn off a static compilation, you will probably see like the places where you are using the plugins. So it will allow you to... So there are replacements for some of those functionalities and maybe for others they are not. Uh, for example, in, in Grace uh, 330, we have now a, a micro email uh, library, which uh, may allow you to replace the Grace mail plugin if you were using that. Or um, maybe you were using already the Agora Pools uh, libraries, which gave you support to use uh, Amazon simple email service. And they are like both Grace and Micronaut libraries. So you could probably swap from one to the other without much changes to your code base, I assume, Vlad. Um, so yeah, turning on a static compilation will allow you to see the plugins usage. And that's probably one area that you have to check. Another area, uh, how was the security part of the migration? How do you tackle that? Well, it's not yet 
finished. <laughs> well, the point is that we use we have we haven't ever used the uh, the Spring Security plugin from Grace, so we had our custom uh, custom implementation for JW based on JWT tokens, and so basically I just take the one of the plugins we were having. In uh, in the Grails in our internal code base and just have written it to to Micronaut. So we now have still probably the old old Grails plugin somewhere, maybe. And then we have the Micronaut version of the plugin. And the point in the future, probably it will be one of the last steps if we reach it, is to switch to Micronaut security just to handle the the JSON token handling. But at the moment, we just created, just written one plugin, Grass plugin to Micronaut library. And actually, this was the part of my job for years now, was just finding this kind of uh, pinpoints to, to the missing plugins, either the external ones or the internal ones. So, of course, I have to create the versions of the internal plug Grass plugins as a Micronaut libraries. Uh, but also some parts like the like the Quartz plugin. So I'm not sure if Quartz plugin has been supported now for the Grass 4 or 5. It is, I think it is. Uh, there, I know there are some other like uh, the Swartz plugin that builds on top. Um, so I think it is. I don't know to what degree, but I think it is supported. Yeah. So so when the 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 Micronaut worker library we talked in the last of our podcast. Is basically just a reflection of the Quartz Grails plugin. I needed to migrate to support the the processes, this kind of distributed job execution we had in Grails. So I think if you right now, if you decide to migrate from uh, Grails to Micronaut, uh, you will have much easier life than us a couple of years ago, where we have absolutely to, yeah, where we have to create all of this kind of mirrors of the Grails plugins in, in Micronaut. So it should be quite easy step to do so. One part that uh, I want to say before I forgot is that Simon uh, pointing that uh, in the beginning is, um, so Agora is exposed to a REST API that is consumed by a React application. So that's why they have kind of a different, uh, so they, they are not using Grace Spin Security Core and they, are, they don't have GSPs. So if you have GSPs, which I am a big fan of, uh, or you are using JSON views, uh, which was available in modern versions of Grace. I think JSON views is started in Grace 3.1, if I remember correctly. Those are not supported in Micronaut. So you cannot use GSPs or JSON views with Micronaut. Um, so you'll have to stay in Grails uh, or migrate to a different view uh, rendering technology. So we have support for many view rendering technologies in Micronaut, unfortunately not for GSPs. But I, I think it's actually a good place to say it out loud. I mean, if you are in a Grails full-stack application, if you are happy with GSPs, and I guess every one of us who used Grails uh, uh, actually uh, enjoys GSPs. I mean, that was very uh, good. It, it's it's still very good technology. So if you are in Grace application, if you have this full stack uh, Grace application, don't feel, you know, like a uh, forced 
to do migration to other uh, frameworks. Because if your application works, if it works fine, it's absolutely okay to stay with Grails and don't uh, push forward because uh, you will probably... If I remember, for instance, migrating one Grails application to Spring Boot with Timeleaf, and I remember it was very bad experience. Uh, Timeleaf, at least at that point, was like maybe 10% of features that GSPs offers. So... Yeah, uh, you have to keep that in mind. On the other hand, if you just circle back to Grew, so if you if you want to do this some kind of black box uh, tests, uh, Grew also supports the GSPs and also supports the JSON views renderer. So if you if you using JSON views, uh, you can still write your test, your black box test with a Grew, and then it would be easier for you to migrate to to Micronaut as well. And we also use internally, we use the handlebars and it's not that difficult to do something close to GSPs with Micronaut and handlebars. It's quite easy to declare your own, I don't know what's the name, helpers to to have something similar to GSP tags and it's doable. But as Shimon mentioned, if it's, it doesn't pain you, if it's okay for you, it's probably good to stick with this one. And wasn't there any plans to have a, a GSP views in, in Micronaut, Sergio? There are plans to decouple. So the reasons they are not is because they are coupled to Rails. Um, so they are in a different module, but they are still coupled to Rails. Um, so it's not completely independent as GORM. Uh, so in the moment they are decoupled, so I will I will write the integration for uh, Micronaut views. But at right now they are still coupled there. Uh, it will be good actually to have them there because it will help for many users. So one of the things uh, I got two goals with this podcast episode. One I was like uh, hear from someone who has been a Grails heavy SOP and has transitioned to Micronaut and understand the pain points and the work you have done. And another one was uh, trying to convey that it was possible to migrate some applications from uh, Grails to Micronaut. But a, a third point that I want to make is uh, you don't have to migrate if you don't want to. You can still use uh, some of the features uh, that Micronaut has uh, at your disposal from your Grails application and some of the features that the Spring has. Uh, so it, it is so one of the powerful things of uh, Grails uh, and I myself sometimes Grace abstracts you so much from a Spring Boot that you forget that you are actually a Spring Boot application. Is that sometimes we don't leverage all the features that the Spring Boot has for us, uh, basically in our fingertips, because we forget that actually a Grace application is a Spring Boot application. So there are um, there are definitely advantages on being uh, on keeping your Grace application if you are using these technologies and uh, I am migrating for example a client now from actually from Grace 2 to Grace 5 and it is possible uh, we see that many people are now they saw that now I mean Grace 2 has been end of life for a long time but now Grace 3 is also the end of life so that's I think that's more or less felt for some people like as a waking call and people are like um, migrating so if you want to migrate, go ahead. Uh, you will have um, 
many features. Uh, I mean, if you are migrating from Grace 2, it's going to be like a new world for you. So it's going to be like a much better developer productivity. And if you feel the pain of migrating is in the, in the short term, you're going to feel some pain. But in the medium to long term, you are going to see a, a much higher uh, developer productivity gains. So don't don't hesitate to do that. And yeah, and I think more or less I covered all the things that I wanted for us to talk. I think we have been talking for already some time. Uh, is there anything else that uh, I forgot that we should have mentioned? Not on my side. I have only one maybe last tip. If, if anyone... <clears throat> Uh, you know, faces this kind of challenge to to migrate from Grails to to Micronaut, and let's say has multiple applications. And there is one thing uh, worth worth doing uh, is to have this you know hygiene in terms of Git commits. When you start splitting this application, when you start doing this migration, do it step by step, do it in separate commits, and to have it as a template for other team members. So whenever someone has to migrate other application, instead of having one squashed commit which does everything it's just to better have a good history of uh, changes so people can follow and do the same small steps because uh, what we faced uh, at agora pulse uh, migrating uh, our free tools to uh, from um, grace to micronaut was that uh, every step uh, did some changes to the same codes uh, uh, code so if i looked at the squashed commit it has no history uh, what uh, was changing and uh, this is what what uh, you could call like trial and error kind of experiment here uh, so having this good git history uh, that one can follow is a it's a huge advantage uh, if if you do such migration yeah, so I'm going to sell my book now and I'm going to say that uh, in the Grace Foundation we do migrate clients to uh, to higher versions of Grails and we do exactly as Simon was describing. Uh, what I typically do is I have a checklist. We have, uh, in the if you go to grails.org uh, and you go to docs, then you'll see that there is an update module. Uh, one of the tricks is that if you are coming really from behind, it's sometimes difficult to see the steps. So what I typically do is I have a checklist of things that I have to do. Like, I don't know, like migrating from filters to interceptors and things like that. And I do exactly what Simon was saying is I create a branch of the client code base and I start doing the commits, all, all the commits from, I don't know, like import replacements because things have moved through the years to, to I don't know, like migrating the tests because the tests are now in a different folder to, I don't know, like... Uh, uh, URL mappings uh, used to be in, in Grails.conf and in modern applications they are in Grails control. So I do all of these steps and this really helps um, because you are going to miss things and you are going to actually break things. So if you can like, you have the possibility to revert a commit and uh, that's always a great thing to do. Um, yeah, we have Git in our disposal and it's actually really nice, really nice to to explain what you have done in a migration that way. And I absolutely 100% agree with uh, Simon. Uh, if you are migrating, do that. Uh, if you don't have time to migrate, uh, hire the Grace Foundation and we'll do the migration for you. And with that uh, uh, note, uh, I'm going to think I'm going to uh, thank the sponsor and we are going to wrap the podcast for today. And the MyCode podcast is possible uh, thanks to the MyCode corporate sponsors, uh, which are uh, Object Computing, 
uh, who is the ambassador sponsor. We have Safri.net, who are a bronze sponsor. And uh, we have also uh, Visor Games, who are a bronze sponsor. And we have also, uh, we are using Gradle Enterprise in micro uh, projects. Um, and it's helping us uh, improve the builds of our applications. So that's the micro infrastructure and a tools sponsor uh, actually Gradle uh, let me give them a plug because they are also a sponsor of the Gradle Foundation uh, I know Punit and the team is using also Gradle Enterprise as well uh, so thanks to Gradle Link and all of the other corporate sponsors also thanks to the community sponsors um, I don't have the community members list in front of me and it's really complicated name so I'm gonna actually pass it and don't read it but I will include a link in the show notes I will try to read the list up loud in the next one Thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Thanks again for the Agora Pulse for joining me today for another episode. Thank you for inviting us. Absolutely. Keep using Micro, everyone, and we see each other in two weeks in the Micro podcast. Thank you. Mm-hmm.